Welcome, everyone, to the Going for Two podcast. Boom, boom, Ben. Boom, boom, Logan. Big thanks to our sponsors, um, Nutriboom, and uh, <laughs> yeah, every other fictional, fictitious, not real sponsor that we have on this podcast. But yep. if anyone were to sponsor our podcast, this would be the episode. This, this is, would be the episode, hands down. Ben, are you as excited as I am? Uh, probably not as excited as you are, because I don't <laughs> think anyone is excited as you are for just this week in general, but I can tell you that I'm extremely excited for this week, partly because there just hasn't been any sports since as long as I can remember. It feels like ages. In reality, it's probably been a little over a month, but it feels mm-hmm. like forever. It does, and we we had some breaking news on Man, I'm I'm so pumped about everything that's going on. I'm pumped about the breaking news. I'm pumped about the draft. And, you know, listeners, you're you're gonna if you're following chronologically through our, our podcast episodes, you're gonna see that I'm probably gonna post this one immediately following our last post, like a day later, because I'm so excited about this episode. Like there will be no delay in editing and getting this one up on the web and out to all of you fine folks out there. So the breaking news, Ben, what, what was your take? Are you surprised? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I was surprised. And I was surprised by how quickly it like came to fruition, right? Like uh, a lot of these reports happen uh, and mm-hmm. there's speculation for a matter of uh, days at the very least, usually a week or more. And then it comes to fruition and either pans out or doesn't pan out. This one, was the the breaking news was in the afternoon and you know what it's it's seven o'clock right now and it's already happened so right yeah it was pretty crazy what what i've found is so last year i think i was in three fantasy leagues Mm -hmm. and that's one insane um two a lot of fun but um one that i'm in with my cousin he moved us from the ESPN fantasy app to an app called Sleeper. And the Sleeper app has been really interesting. It, it, it allows a little bit more flexibility with how you do the rules and your draft and all, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but one of the really cool features is that it sends breaking news alerts to my phone. Like I just, you know, it was one of the, the alerts or notification options. And I said, yeah, sure. I'll, I'll get breaking news. And I swear it is, I could be on Twitter and I'll get a notification from the sleeper app with something that Ian Rappaport tweeted before I can even find it on Twitter. So wow. that app has been huge for me. I know that you, you, you probably seem surprised every once in a while when I'm like, Hey, look at this. Like today, like, that app just kind of puts me like right on the breaking edge. Um, that's I've been really pumped about that. Just yeah, I agree. You're always ahead of the game. Yeah, and that, and then we take the sleeper notifications and we post the news on our Twitter feed, and we seem like yeah, we're so, ahead of the game. <laughs> so if you're looking for breaking news in the sports world, you better follow the Going for Two podcast. There we go. So, I like it. That's very true, especially this week. Especially this week, because there is no telling um, what kind of news we'll be breaking. Ben, you and I will be watching the draft just as close as any living human being. Yes, yes, that's very accurate. Uh, 
it's, it's yes. an honor. Last year, I didn't get to go to the draft with you. So, um, so this year, we'll both be at the draft. It, yep. You know, we're like- going to be as involved. Well, maybe not as involved, but as close to the players as Roger Goodell this year. Hey, yeah, that's a really good point. Wow. We're basically <laughs> being drafted. Yeah, I, I was going to ask you, do you think this is the year? Uh, if not this year, definitely next year. Definitely that's next al- year, That's yeah. my motto. That's always my motto. If not this yeah, year, well, definitely for, next year. For me, it's like, yeah, there's a pretty strong QB class. Um, you know, I'm probably not going to beat out Justin Herbert for that last first-round quarterback spot. But And then, you know, Jalen Hurts coming up pretty close after that. And sure. Love and all those guys. But next year, it's like, uh, Trevor Lawrence in it or bust, right? Yeah. So, yeah. That's got to be my year. It's, I think so. And, you know, this year, you know, I'm sure we'll talk about linebackers this episode, but, uh, it's Patrick Queen, maybe a little Zach Bond, but after that, Ben Cobb, I mean, could that be, could that be how it goes this, this year? I, I think it's possible. <laughs> and Ben, I think, I mean, the way I see you carving out your living in the NFL is in the mold of one Derek Watt, you know, uh, yep. play a little fullback, play a little special teams, you know, get in on defense. Maybe who knows? Yeah. I'm, I'm great with that. Play for the chargers. Speaking of man, how about those uniforms? They're looking good. Those have been some of the, some of probably my favorite so far out of the teams that have uh, rebranded. Yeah. Um, yeah. Re- the rebranding, I really liked what the Seahawks did, you know, several years ago. I think Russell Wilson's mm-hmm. maybe second year, maybe his rookie year in the league. But after that, like, there's not a whole lot of rebrandings in the league that I've been like, wow, that's phenomenal, like 100% better than what they had before. Uh, but this, with the Chargers, I'm all about it. I think they look super good. I think that I think that their jerseys were great before, and I think that they're just looking – still looking even better honestly yeah i think that was that was an improvement and the the color scheme is really um what the chargers have going for them maybe in the biggest way and they they really embraced it and probably made some improvements i think man the falcons i thought their uniforms were really great before so yeah. it was it was going to be hard to improve yeah um, and they've had those for a while, so yeah, it, that was. <laughs> I, I'm not a huge fan of what the Falcons ended up doing with their uniforms, um, you know. But I, I think that the one, one improvement was, um, well, I, I guess I'm kind of torn on the uh, the Buccaneers. I think people hated on their uniforms, and and I actually didn't mind them, but they did do away with like the alarm clock numbers. So that's mm-hmm. I, most people are probably like in love with their well really favoring the decision to go to back away from the alarm clock system that they had yeah. on their jerseys beforehand. Those were kind of moot point for me. Not didn't get really excited. Yeah. Wasn't really in love with the old ones either. Yeah. But enough about uh uniforms for now. Uh maybe at a future podcast episode we'll we'll break down every team's uniform. Oh uh, yeah. Um, there we go. But uh that's not today. So today is all about the draft. Woo-woo! And for our listeners, here's a little roadmap as to what you can expect. We're going to walk through 
Ben and I's, I believe it was our third annual, maybe fourth. At least, at least third. Yeah, if not fourth. We've been doing it for a while now. Yep. So every year, Ben and I, wherever we're at, we'll do our own mock draft where we can each control half of the teams in the first round. We go back and forth, just in a text message and make our selections. And it's, it's just kind of fun. And then getting to compare that to what actually happens on draft day. Um, it's fun. It, it can be frustrating when I've got a pick lined out and, and Ben takes it for the team <laughs> ahead of me. And, you know, that's how it goes though. So we're going to walk through that. And, and as we walk through, we're going to kind of identify a few things um, we'll get, we'll give you some commentary on the players. If we, if we have it, um, we'll give you some commentary on the teams and needs and what we actually think they'll do and, or what they should do. We'll also give you some bold predictions about players in this, uh, draft class and about, uh, maybe about how the draft will play out on draft night. Um, and I also want to, when we get through this, talk about who we actually think are the best players in the draft and who are going to be the best players that don't come from this first round. Yep. All right. Awesome. So with the first pick in our text mock draft, I was controlling all the odd numbers. And so I, I stayed pretty chalk with the first pick. The Bengals selected quarterback out of LSU, Joe Burrow. Um, is there any, is there any discussion? Is there any debate about this pick? Yeah. So I think this is an interesting, so I, I really don't think that there's any debate if the Bengals don't trade back. Um, I don't really foresee them doing that. And I haven't seen any reports indicating that they would be trading back. Um, but I think if the Bengals keep the pick 100% Joe Burrow, no question. Um, if they were to trade back, uh, obviously that's a different, story but that's that's the only way that i could see joe burrow not going first is if somebody trades up and they pick somebody else a, a higher need um you know and, and honestly if somebody traded up uh, with the Bengals, they may still pick joe burrow so um mm-hmm. I, but i think that's a pretty solid pick overall i was i was talking through this today and i kind of explained it to somebody in this way that joe burrow He's going to be the first round pick and it's nearly a guarantee because he's, he's kind of the safest pick for the number one overall. Yeah. Right? He, he's had arguably the best college football season for a quarterback ever. And he doesn't have injury history. He doesn't have off the field issues. You know, it, there's, there's very low bust potential with Joe Burrow. You may not be getting a hall of famer, but you're going to get a, the all expectations are you're going to get a 10 year starter, right? Yeah. He's got a very, he's got a very high ceiling and a very high floor. Mm-hmm. So I, you may disagree, but I don't think it's the right pick though for the Bengals. No, I like it. Some controversy. All right, let's hear it. What do you think the right pick would be? Well, either one of the defensive players that's at the top of the draft board or trade back because here's here's my theory Bengals draft joe burrow next year they're also going to pick in the top five they they're not a good football team and am i wrong there no you're, you're correct i would 
I think I would agree that they're not a, a very good football team. So my thought is, you know, we, we're in this era where it's so important to win in your rookie quarterback or on your rookie contract with your quarterback. Correct. You've got, you've got him locked down with a very small percentage of your salary cap. But once he hits that sixth season, he's going to take up a very large portion of your salary cap. Yeah. So the Bengals drafting Joe Burrow at the beginning of their rebuild, essentially is not going to give them the largest window to win with Joe Burrow on his rookie contract. Hmm. So that's why my theory is they should start, they should address other needs on the team, especially while they still have a serviceable starter in Andy Dalton under contract. Okay. So what, so what do you propose? So you would propose keeping the first pick overall and just drafting another player or trading back? So that, that kind of depends on how the Bengals have their draft board. So if I'm looking at my draft board and the Bengals situation, um, I would trade back because I think this first round is, is loaded with talent. I think you potentially could get all three of Miami's first round picks and come out with three starters compared to one. Okay. So that's that's what I think they should do. Well, you know, I don't think anyone would argue with if they could trade the first overall for three other first rounders and still be in the mix for, you know, Herbert or Tua or something. I think that that would be a something that they'd be entertaining and um, you know, it doesn't sound like they're shopping it around, but I don't think they would be unwise to hear what's out there because there are definitely some teams that I think are going to be aggressive this draft um, like the mm-hmm. possibly Dolphins uh, moving up maybe the Lions moving up maybe the Falcons moving up even from you know the uh, whatever the 11th spot or so that they have so right probably a lot of buyers out there and but you know I saw this one thing and this is uh, not of uh, the expert analysis that you and I are so used to providing on the mm-hmm. show <laughs> Um, but, uh, it, I, Joe Burrow played for the LSU Tigers is going to get drafted to the Cincinnati Bengals. So really Joe Burrow is the Tiger King. For sure. Joe <laughs> exotic Burrow. Tiger King. Joe exotic Burrow. I love it. I was like, wow, that's actually kind of a crazy similarity. Um, but yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting to see how it pans out. I, I think Burrow's going to be number one overall. Um, I saw something. I, I don't really know if this was a from a, a good source or not, but I saw something saying like when they were practicing the NFL draft um, a few days ago that the Bengals accidentally made their pick uh, and they picked Burrow. So it was <laughs> like, uh, which isn't you know obviously too surprising, but it was something like for a second he was like formally picked or at least that was what the tweet was saying so it like the draft had started interesting interesting yeah i i think it i i still think i think it makes more sense for the dolphins to to try to trade up and get burrow um not because Tua Tua may be the better pro prospect um injury is the factor that kind of knocks him down but the dolphins feel like they're a lot closer than maybe most people think they did a made a lot of moves in the off season, and um, you know they they feel like they could 
take advantage of a of a rookie quarterback window, and they may not want to wait for Tua to become fully healthy. They may want to get Burrow and put him right in there, see you know, see what they've got, see how far they can go, see what they still need in, in future years. But um, Certainly. So I think that would be that would be definitely an entertaining scenario. But for for this mock draft, you know, I went with Joe Burrow to the Bengals because that is what I think will happen. And we didn't really incorporate any trades into this uh, scenario. So right. then take it away with the, the second pick. Yeah, so the second pick, uh, much like the first pick, is probably not uh, too surprising. I think the first and the second pick this year are really cemented really more so than any other drafts of recent years. Um, Mm -hmm. So I had uh, the Redskins picking Chase Young. I think that that's kind of the foregone conclusion. Um, But I don't think that there's a lot of, uh, again, obviously all of this and the drafts, the draft that you and I are reading from and that we did uh, about a week ago was there's no movement trade wise. So I think, unless the Redskins trade and that's a caveat for everything. I think it, it's a foregone conclusion that they're going to pick chase young. And that I'll tell you what, that defensive line is going to be, it's going to be really good with Ryan Kerrigan, Jerome Payne, John Allen, chase young and Ron Rivera. I mean, that's going to be a, a really good defensive line. One of the best in the league, I think at least having the potential to, if they can all stay healthy. Yep. I, I'd agree with you. I think that is the pick there. Um, do you think that's what the Red Sickens should do? Yeah, I, I think so. Um, I mean, there's there's actually a few guys, and I'll I'll point them out when we get there. Um, but I think he is he's kind of the first quote unquote generational talent, and I hate using that term because, okay. in my opinion, it's thrown around way mm-hmm. too much this time of the year. But I actually do think there there are a few guys that are going to get drafted in the first round that actually are like a generational JJ Watt esque talent. Um, And I think that chase young has the potential to be that. And so, you know, really whether or not it's a huge need for the Redskins, that's definitely debatable. You know, they could uh, certainly go in some other areas, um, maybe help with their secondary or their um, backfield, but um, chase young, I mean, you can't pass up on chase young. So I think it's, the way that the Redskins have to purchase is you've got to do it with the best player off the board. And that's chase young at two. Okay. I, hmm, I don't know if I, if I agree there either, I would almost, um, I know the medical is a big concern, but I'm not a believer in, in Dwayne Haskins. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be upset if I were a Redskins fan, if they drafted Tua. Um, okay. I think that's a player with with a significantly higher ceiling. Um, but I also think, again, this would be a spot where um, the Redskins have multiple holes. Um, they are going to need to replace their, their star left tackle because he's not going to suit up for the Redskins foreseeably. And um, there's, a, there's a load of those – or there's a – a handful of really, really solid tackles in this draft that they could kind of trade back and, and maybe acquire one of those guys. Um, I agree with you. If they stick in the number two spot, take the best player available. Where I disagree is that that's Chase Young. And I think I'm going to hit on a couple of those other guys in this draft that 
that you will probably classify as generational talents. Um, mm-hmm. My my first three guys on my board would be Isaiah Simmons, um, Derek Brown, and then Chase Young. So wow. I don't have him far down, but I that's that's how I'm ranking. I mean, they're I think they're very very close. I think Simmons is just um, an incredible talent and an incredibly versatile player, and that's why I, I I've got him up so high. Uh, really, just a a freak. Wow, that's kind of a that's kind of a hot take. I like it. The you know not so much the I think Isaiah Simmons and and Chase Young. I think probably eighty percent of people would put Chase Young above Isaiah Simmons. But I mean, they're both yeah, they're both generational talents. But Derek Brown, you know, Derek Brown is certainly very good, and um, he's going to go pretty soon in our draft. But mm-hmm. uh, I think most people would be shocked that putting Derek Brown above Chase Young. How do you how do you figure that? What was your kind of rationale for that? Well, I I think that he is is a little bit of a cleaner prospect. Um, you had a little bit of off the field stuff with Chase Young, nothing too concerning. Um, but Derek Brown um, came back to school, uh, improved, showed that he really was NFL ready with how he was able to manhandle SEC offensive lines in a way that you just, you, you don't see. And we've also seen productive guys come out of that conference in that, uh, in that position and even off that team uh, in a guy like um, Marcel Darius, who may be one of the most athletic big guys I'd ever seen. Um, I, I keep flat having flashbacks to win. Um, when, when he was, Playing for no, he didn't play for Auburn. I'm sorry, he played for Alabama. But when he went toe to toe with um, with Cam Newton, and Cam mm. tried to juke him out and couldn't juke out a 300 pound lineman because yeah. Marcel had such good feet. Um, Derek Brown's a little bit a different player, and I've been listening a lot to draft analysis and scouts and things, and they say you know his pass rushing needs work. But with the raw physical talent that he has, I think that that will develop quickly. And I, I just see a little bit, a little bit higher ceiling. But okay. with that, with that being said, I know that pass rusher, edge rusher, is probably a more important position. So I don't, I'm not faulting anybody for for putting Chase Young above or drafting him above Derek Brown. Um, that's just kind of how I've got it shaken out. Yeah. Oh, that makes sense. Um, yeah, I mean, so you would have picked if you're the Redskins, you would pick Tua at two. Uh, I think so. Yeah. Okay. If All if right. I felt okay with the with the medical situation, now if sure. if I'm if my team doctor tells me, eh, broken hip, that's not something we want to deal with. Then I'm saying, okay, yeah, let's go with Chase Young, Isaiah Simmons, Derek Brown, somebody like that, or or try mm-hmm. to trade back and get one of the top offensive linemen. Um, but yeah, I think Tua offers the biggest upside for the Redskins. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll see what happens with, with two. Now we're up. So the third pick is really where the draft starts. I think, mm-hmm. uh, I think the first and second pick will, will go pretty quickly on Thursday night. Uh, and then the third pick will be when most people start really being interested in, in what's going to happen. Um, 
so we've got the Lions on the clock. Logan, you had the odds, so you had the Lions. Take it away. With the third pick in our third annual text mock draft, the Lions selected Jeff Akuda, cornerback out of Ohio State. Um, this really has been a, a, a match that's been put together for a long time on mock drafts and, and boards mm-hmm. and things like that because of the discontent with Darius Slay and the eventual trade to the Eagles. And they that, that's a void, and that's something that coaches in the Bill Belichick tree value highly is – um, corners and uh, interestingly enough they they kind of value their corners higher than their edge rushers they kind of think they can find edge edge rush from oh find it a little cheaper and they're willing to pay corners such as bill belichick has done with darrell revis stefan gilmore and the like so that makes sense. that's where i think the what makes sense and what I think the Lions would do if they stayed. Ben, do you think there's a trade at this spot? I think that this is the spot where with the highest potential for a trade, and that's with, you know, a lot of mock drafts have Miami and Detroit making a trade at this mm-hmm. spot. Um, perhaps Miami trading up in order to get to a, at the third spot before, um, you know, a team like the Giants can select them. Um, but I don't think that there's going to be a trade. Uh, I think that the Dolphins probably would would be the the team that would want to trade up. You know, the Chargers, I don't think that they would want to trade up. Um, I haven't seen that in a lot of mock drafts. Um, You know, so that just leaves the Dolphins at five, uh, wanting to make sure that essentially the the, the Giants don't select Tua, and I don't really think that's going to happen. So I think that the Dolphins are okay. I think that the Chargers aren't going to trade up. So that leaves the Lions there. I don't think there's going to be much much uh, movement around that third pick. So yeah, I think uh, Jeff Okuda is the is the pick there. Um, and like you're saying, it's kind of that they're kind of a perfect fit together. So Jeff Okuda is one of my my generational talents. He's really he's, okay. Yeah, he's um you know I, I, he's just one of those cornerbacks that um really impressed me from what I've read about him. And um so we are getting to the end of my generational talents though. Um, but I will, but there's one more, which I think we may have touched on already. Uh, but that brings us into the fourth pick, which I had mm-hmm. with the giants. The giants are not selecting a quarterback. Uh, so no need for the dolphins to trade up. The giants will be selecting Isaiah Simmons, linebacker slash edge slash defensive end slash safety slash corner slash head coach uh, <laughs> out of Clemson. He can do it all. Um, and he is, he is one of the, uh, he's one of the generational talents, but I think it's, it's going to be very contingent upon the system and the coaches that he plays for. Okay. Um, you know, he has that, that versatility to be a monster backer to play anywhere on the field he mm-hmm. wants. Um, but you've got to use that correctly as a, uh, as a, a defensive coordinator. So, you know, going to the giants, um, that that's a, I don't know how he'll be used in that system particularly. Um, but I think he has the potential to be, uh, one of the all time greats. I mean, physically he certainly does. Um, I mean, he's just watching him play at Clemson. He's huge. He's fast. He's long. 
Uh, he has he has a really great closing speed. I mean, all all the obvious things about it, that everybody knows about him. It didn't take long watching him at Clemson to figure out. Oh, uh, he's he's different. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, I remember I was the first time I uh, noticed him. I was watching Clemson play, and I, yeah, and I was like, oh my gosh, like who is this guy? Like he's he's very tall. He's very like he's abnormally tall mm-hmm. and he's abnormally long. Um, and today's he's basically the opposite of me if I was a linebacker. <laughs> so. Um, so, you know, he's – it's going to be really interesting to see how Patrick Graham, um, the Giants, D.C., is, is going to use him in, in their defense. And and it's going to be a tough job. Like, that could be a really difficult thing if, if he's performing mediocre this time – or uh, this time of the fall because mm-hmm. then that D.C. Patrick Graham is going to get a lot of pushback for, you know, you have this guy who's a free talent. Why aren't you using him? in a better way. Right. So we'll see what happens with that. But I have him at, I think it's a good pick for the giants at four. What position do you think he plays at the next level? I, I think he plays outside linebacker. Um, I think he plays outside linebacker um, with, with, a, with some edge. Um, I think he kind of plays like proportionally the opposite of Von Miller. Von Miller's um, kind of more of a edge guy who stands up and plays outside linebacker. Some, mm-hmm. but I think mm-hmm. I think he'll play um, outside linebacker and you know maybe stand up edge or put his hand in the dirt edge or something like that. Uh, some of the time, maybe like twenty thirty percent of the time. Um, I think he's too. I honestly think he's too versatile. Like edge is super important right now, but he can just span, span the field in seconds, and because of that, like allowing him to have the role of a linebacker and kind of survey the field is, is going to be really, really important when he's able to close the gaps that he might not have when he's in the edge position. Right. And that's why, so I think if I'm picking how I want to use him, I'm putting him at strong safety, but you've got an argument there with, with a guy like that. You also want him close to the line of scrimmage. Um, Mm -hmm. And that's why Clemson used him, so much, you know, I think he started as a safety, but he played a lot of slot corner uh, because that's that's a player that you can, if you've got the right guy, you can use him as an outside force. You know, you can, if you have the wrong guy, you he's a liability in the run game. But putting Isaiah Simmons as your slot corner uh, makes your run defense that much better. Um, I, mean, I mean, I could... I could actually see Isaiah Simmons falling a little bit just because we could see a run on tackles. We could see a run on, on the quarterbacks. Um, we could see some trades throughout this, this point in the draft and I could see him falling to seven, eight um, or potentially nine. I, I really don't see yeah. him falling much further than that, but um, I, I could see him falling in there at seven with the Panthers and almost playing, becoming, uh, filling the role that uh, Luke Keekley left. He's yeah, I mean, he's similar. That closing speed is very similar to Luke Keekley, and mm-hmm. and he kind of and the ability to play the, the pass. Yeah, yeah, that and they have they both have very good vision as well. Um, yeah, I mean, I've I've seen Simmons possibly dropping to around that you know eight nine ten range, um, depending on like you said what 
what run happens because there's I mean mm-hmm. there's a lot of great players in this draft to be honest especially the top 10 um, and it's just really the preference of the teams and filling those needs and what they perceive their needs to be so Simmons and this is no no surprise based on what I've already said but I think Simmons will come out of this draft as being the having the best career I think I think he's got the highest ceiling um, I think he's an outstanding talent no matter kind of no matter where he goes I, I see what you're saying about his fit is going to be important and could help him thrive quickly. Um, I do think kind of putting him as a every down linebacker may, um, may limit him a little bit, honestly, because his, his strength is not going to be in getting off blocks, taking on fullbacks and guards, pulling guards and things like that because of his, his body type and, you know, he's not a 250-pound middle linebacker that's going to come downhill and, and blow up a fullback and make the tackle. He's, you know, 239 pounds and 6'4". He's got a lot of body to block. Um, so I, I kind of see him more as a, as a Cam Chancellor, a Tyron mm-hmm. Matthew. You, you put him as close to the ball as you can, um, but use him in space at the same time. If, if that makes sense, keeping him um, maybe close to the block, close to the box, but not in the box every down. So that's, that's where I would think that he would thrive. Um, but we'll, it'll definitely be interesting um, to see how he's used at the next level. Mm-hmm. I think. This yeah. Could... And he's kind of, he's kind of the perfect guy for covering tight ends too. Mm-hmm. So yeah, exactly. I think yeah. he's got a in in some form, some shape or form that that strong safety or outside linebacker position. He's got a, you know, maybe on the third down shift to that uh, for most of the third downs. You know, because yep. that he's he's if you made a player that would be guarding a tight end, it would be Isaiah Simmons. Several years ago, when um, we had Jimmy Graham and Gronk, still Antonio Gates. Um, I guess Tony Gonzalez had probably retired at that point, but we had a, a handful of elite receiving tight ends who could, who were six five, six six, two hundred and fifty 250 to 75 pounds that could just run, catch, block, do it all. And we couldn't find guys to cover them. Isaiah Simmons is the answer. You know, he is, yeah. he is an upgrade on Cam Chancellor because Cam was, was really a linebacker playing safety. Um, didn't have, necessarily the coverage skills that Isaiah Simmons is coming into the league with. This is the guy that can, can shut down that guy. So yeah. it would be interesting with the, the news breaking today of Gronk uh, being traded to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers would an AFC or an NFC South team be looking to acquire the talents of Isaiah Simmons to be that Gronk neutralizer. Yeah, that's a really good question. So that would, um, you know, be Atlanta. At, they're currently at 16. Um, you got the Saints who are way up there at, uh, let's see, the Saints are at 24, I believe. 24, yep. And then the Panthers, who would be the, the closest, would be um, at seven. So, you know, I think probably it'd be a lot to trade up for Atlanta. Mm-hmm. Um to get I've, him, obviously, I've heard some noise of them wanting to trade up, but I'm not sure what capital they're they're putting out there. 
Yeah, I'm not sure the wanting to trade. I haven't seen. I've seen them wanting to trade up some. Um, I don't recall for what purpose, particularly for a specific uh, player. But I think I don't think it's out of question for the Panthers to want to trade up no. uh, to the fourth pick. Um, I mean, I think it's. I think it's. I, I would probably be a little hesitant to think that they would do that. Uh, solely to guard Gronk, essentially. Obviously, you get a great player in Isaiah Simmons, but if they were like, no, we're not trading up, and then this trade happened, and they're like, okay, you know, we're going to play Gronk twice a year now. We got to go up, get someone who can guard him. Let's trade up. I don't think that that would would push them uh, to make that decision, Um, but I think maybe if they're entertaining the idea of trading up and getting Isaiah Simmons um, instead of somebody maybe like a a Derek Brown, um, then maybe this if they were considering it, then maybe this was the icing on the cake that Mm -hmm. they said, you know, let's go ahead and try to get that fourth pick. Yeah. I was going to say that this was going to be one of my bold predictions, but then you completely agreed with me on our last pick. I don't think the, the trades start at number three, because I don't, I don't think the markets there due to Tua's injury history and, and the uncertainty with the coronavirus and not being able to get him in the building and examine him. Um, I think teams are going to be willing to kind of sit back and wait for those quarterbacks, those next two quarterbacks to fall. And, um, but I think there could be a trade at the fourth pick. I think the giants could trade back because like you said, if they, if they just fall back to seven, they're going to still get probably the, their pick of the offensive lineman. If not their first pick, then their second pick. Yeah. Yeah. That's a very good point. Um, so moving through this fifth pick, I have the fifth pick. I'm um, talking about trades, the Dolphins. Um, let's say that they do not trade up, which I don't think that they will trade up. Um, so this is where the draft starts to get a little bit interesting. So I've got the Dolphins taking Tua. Um, I don't think that that is super controversial, but I have seen more reports coming out on people favoring uh, Justin Herbert over Tua. And I think that that probably goes – along the lines of, like you were saying, not having the medical doctors being able to check out Tua to the degree that mm-hmm. they would like. Uh, yeah, I, 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 don't, I don't know how big of a factor that is, um, and I, don't, I haven't seen reports on if that's been prevalent or not, but I think that that's, you know, and it's just Tua, it, I think, is one of those guys who could really charm someone in, a, in an interview, and I think they've probably had less face-to-faces than they normally do. And, um, but I have the Dolphins picking Tua at, at five, but I'm really interested to hear your perspective on this whole Justin Herbert versus Tua scenario because I've been blown away by the amount of reports I've seen that have been putting Justin Herbert, uh, if not above Tua, pretty darn close to, right. to him getting selected. So what do you think about that? I think it's smoke and mirrors. Okay. I th- I think that the Dolphins are doing a masterful job of working the media to put out this narrative that they're going to take Justin Herbert at the, at spot number five to the end game of not having to trade up to get to it. They're putting out, hey, we're probably, well, you know, they're just saying, hey, uh, Justin Herbert's like one spot down and it's only like a, a tenth of a point in between those two guys and with the medical the Dolphins are probably going to pick uh, Justin Herbert. They're feeding that to the media, 
who's sending that out to everybody and teams like the Chargers, uh, potentially the Jaguars, any other team looking for a quarterback is saying, oh, okay, if they're not going to take Tua, then we don't need to trade up to three to get Tua ahead of them. That's that's what I think is going on. And that's why, yeah, I think the Dolphins pick uh, Tua at spot number five. Um, and okay. and that's what I think is going to happen. But I've seen a couple mock drafts, probably I think Dan- Daniel Jeremiah's mock draft, most recent one, had the Dolphins taking a tackle at spot number five. And then they still got Justin Herbert at pick number 18. So, hmm. man, if they if they get the best tackle in this draft, you know, their flavor of tackle, whether it's Becton or Wills or Wirfs or Thomas, um, and they're able to get the third best quarterback in the draft who is a little bit cleaner medically, man, that's that's not a bad not a bad play for the Dolphins. Yeah, yeah certainly. Yeah, you know, I hope that I really, you know, I actually, so we'll talk about this in a, in a second. Right, it's kind of segueing into our next pick with the Chargers. Uh, I won't reveal who you picked, but I, I hope that the Chargers draft Tua. Um, I really want, I really want the Chargers to. I haven't been this excited about a Chargers draft in a long time. Um, so I really hope that we get Tua. Uh, I'm not afraid of his injury history. I he was just he was so incredibly efficient in college, historically efficient mm-hmm. that I would love to have him on the team. Um, and I think that there's a, a good chance, uh, but who knows? You know that the Dolphin that's the biggest threat. And if the Dolphins take, uh, you know, like you're saying, Worfs or Wills or Becton, they can uh, the Chargers can draft Tua, and they can still get their quarterback. At 18. So I hope that the Dolphins don't select Tua uh, so the Chargers can. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but, I, but I, I don't – I'm not feeling bad about it, but I'm not feeling good about it. I just don't know what to, what to expect out of those two. But I guess I, guess I do know what to expect because I drafted them <laughs> having, getting Tua. So we'll see. So, so, Ben, we got a little bit off there. Uh, You've got the next pick with number six. You controlled the Chargers in, in this uh, draft scenario. Oh, you're right. Um, you're right. That being said, but I, I thought your pick was really interesting here, and I, I didn't think that's where you'd go. Um, but what happens if the Dolphins do trade up to number one and get um, get Joe Burrow? The Bengals are now sitting at five. Who do they pick? Do they go for Tua or – if they trade back, is that a sign of, hey, we're stockpiling other assets and going for a quarterback at a later date? I think they I think they would go for Tua at that point. Um, I don't think that he's so far removed from Burrow, and I think that they're just set on a quarterback um, at this stage of the game. If they can get one, if they can get Burrow or Tua, I think that they're going to take one of those two. If they can't get either, uh, then I, I think that they would be and there's if they're still sent at five, I think that they would be hard pressed to draft like a Herbert or Jordan Love or something like that. I don't think that's gonna happen. Um but I think if they traded back to the fifth pick, then yeah, I think that they would select Tua. Interesting. Um do you think with that commotion, because that would that would blow up the internet if the right. Dolphins Definitely. traded up to number one, every team is, you know, it they're doing the 
the everything is fine and everything's on fire and they're pacing and they're they don't know what's <laughs> going on and so with all that going on do the chargers do something rash and try to trade above the Bengals at that point to get to a oh man probably it depends <laughs> how badly they want to and i really can't can't discern that i i really haven't been able to discern how badly they want to uh mm-hmm. um i mean there's there's certainly spots to do it they could go up to three or four um they'd have to you know trade a fair amount but if i had to if i would say probably not actually okay. the more i'm talking this through um i think that they don't want to you know mortgage the the house and car for mm-hmm for that kind of pick um, if they have to move up, you know, so far up the draft, um, you know, obviously it's just six to four or three, but when you're talking about that, those kinds of top five picks, they're so valuable. What if it's um, a, so I th- a first this year and a first next year? Do you, you're, you're uh, the uh, Chargers GM. Do you do it? So we would give up our, so say that again. So we're at six right now. You're at six. You give up pick six and your first round in 2021 to move up to either three or four with two is still on the board on the clock. No, I want to do that. That's, I mean, if honestly for Burrow, maybe, but not for Tua, wow. um, just because he's so, if it's like a pretty surefire thing, like Andrew Luck, I might make that move. But if there's any certainty, uncertainty attached to it, like health risks, mm-hmm. I want it. I want it do that and next year's first round that would just be because you know if Tua gets hurt doesn't pan out that really sets you back yep yep that's interesting and they might not have to give up that much if the team that is on the clock thinks they can still get their player at six so um interesting scenarios so let's move this along a little bit so with the six pick ben tell me about who the chargers select and why you went in this direction. Yeah. So the chargers picking judge Wills out of, uh, Bama, um, offensive lineman, you know, obviously I could talk about his talent and I think he's, he's right up there. We, you could have a, probably a top three that could do a carousel for the, the number one spot when it comes to offensive linemen in this draft. But, um, it's, it's kind of this format, this phenomena that I'm realizing of throughout the draft, there's always like that one team in the top 10 that, you're not quite sure who they're going to pick. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously if two is on the board, I would say that they would pick him, but you're not really quite sure who they're going to pick. They have some fill hole, but they don't have a ton of glaring needs. Um, and then they just end up defaulting and picking an offensive lineman. <laughs> and that's not probably the best rationale, but like, like genuinely, I think that sometimes teams uh, without glaring needs look at who's the best, where do they need, um, who's one of the best players on the board and then kind of default to being an picking an offensive lineman because they know one, how versatile um, offensive linemen can be. And, and obviously how important it is. The chargers offensive line um, has been uh, not great um, up until last year. They, you know, they were, they had a decent season last year, but um, they have been for the past three or so years, they've been dealing with injuries Um you know, from uh, Dan Fien to um, Forrest Lamp, they've been having some difficult times with their draft picks for offensive line. Um, 
they have made some moves, bringing in Beluga. Um, Trey Turner, Pounce right? Is looking healthy again. Trey Turner, yeah. So it, it's, but then at the same time, they made that very kind of strange move to me two years ago when they drafted Forrest Lamp, and then I think in the second round they drafted Dan Feeney, and it was a, a weird kind of stacking of offensive linemen together. Mm-hmm. Granted, their offensive line was pretty bad at that time. Um, so, you know, it's just kind of a I, – I think that they don't necessarily need an offensive lineman, but I think that, you know, Jedrick Rules is, A, extremely talented, and, B, they could be one of those teams that sort of draft one by default. Okay. So why why not Herbert in that spot? Yeah, I think that the if they can't get Tua, I think that they're going to go to you know shift away from that drafting those quarterback positions. And I think Herbert is a uh, a long cry from um, Herb from Herbert um, or from Tua, but I also think that they're just they. I think they are have more faith in Tyrod than kind of the public thinks, um, and that's why they're kind of leaning towards okay if we can't get. Or over to uh you know well, let's ride out well, let's ride with Tyrod and see where it takes us for the year. Okay. Um, I think Anthony Lynn likes Tyrod a lot, and I think that's certainly going to factor into them not going after Herbert. Interesting. I I kind of agree with you there. I think they do have a lot of faith in in Tyrod Taylor, and I think rightly so. But I don't have faith in him as a a contending quarterback. Like I think he's a a good quarterback. I think he's a playoff quarterback. I don't think he's a Super Bowl caliber caliber quarterback. And agreed. Um, even if he was, he's not the youngest either. So I I think if if they got to this point, um, I think they've probably internally kind of fe- or I'm, I've lost the word here, but they've. <laughs> They've um, came down to it and and understand that Tua may be off the board and they may not be doing anything they can do about it. And they've kind of um, settled down with the fact that they they can be okay with Justin Herbert. I think if Tua's off the board, I think they draft Herbert. But follow-up question. So if you're in the line of thinking they pass on Herbert, if – the Giants went offensive line at four. Do you think the Chargers would draft Isaiah Simmons if he was on the board at six? Ooh, man. Um, let's see. That is Isaiah Simmons on that Chargers defense, man. So just putting that those pieces together, you'd have Joey Bosa, Melvin Ingram, Derwin James, Isaiah Simmons, Casey Hayward. I kind of think so, to be honest. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, like I was talking about, they don't have any extraordinarily glaring holes like they have had in the past. And so when you get a team like that uh, at such a high draft spot, it's kind of best player available at that point. And Isaiah Simmons is one of the best players in the draft. So I think that they could just go ahead and draft him uh, and – be okay and and the free agent moves you know like you said bringing in trey turner and beluga and pouncey getting uh healthy 
not enables them to be able to to draft somebody like best player available um but man that would be awesome i would love to do um i would love to have isaiah simmons on that offense or on that defense so if they don't go quarterback there do you do you think they go quarterback in a later round they potentially target jalen hurts yeah i i think so um I think that would be that that'd be pretty exciting if if I put myself in the Chargers shoes to to get a a, I mean a elite caliber either offensive lineman or defender and then pair him with the winner that Jalen Hurts is as your kind of grooming starter to be. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. I think going after Jalen Hurts or um, I don't think Jordan Love will be there when they're up to draft again probably not but um yeah someone like him would be a a, a really fascinating pick that I, mm-hmm. I could definitely see the Chargers spending a second round pick if they didn't go first round quarterback I would I would get I geek out about the draft you know that I would get so excited if they did that if they went for her for uh Hertz in the second round all right, so that'd be a lot of fun to watch I think that's probably the portion of the draft that everybody is really really psyched up about and is going to be the most exciting. There's going to be a lot of action that happens in the next few uh, picks, I think. And there's still going to be some very interesting picks, but we're going to move a little faster through it now. Um, with the seventh pick, the Panthers select uh, Derek Brown. Um, I've made my feelings known on Derek Brown. I think he is the best player available at this point. The Panthers have multiple needs, but um, this kind of returns them to form when they had uh, two elite defensive tackles. And um, do you have any any commentary on that pick, Ben? No, I, I think that at that point he is the best player available. Um, I mean, he's he's phenomenal defensive lineman, um, and I think that you know someone's got to anchor that defense now that Keekley's gone. Um, so why not, you know, a defensive tackle? Mm-hmm. I think he's a good fit. I think he's a really good pick, uh, fit for the Panthers. All right, Ben, give us the eighth pick. Yeah, so the eighth pick, I've got the Arizona Cardinals selecting Tristan Wirfs, uh, offensive lineman out of Iowa. He is a, you know, just a, a powerhouse. He's he, a lot of people have him as the best offensive lineman in this draft. Um, and I think that if you're a team sitting at, the eighth pick thinking about wow we could we need offensive linemen and we could get the best one in the draft you're going to go ahead and and pull that trigger Mm -hmm. um someone's got to protect for kyler um running around there they don't have as much need at the wide receiver position anymore since they brought in hopkins so i think tristan Wirfs is is the go-to at uh eight with the cardinals so kyler murray is campaigning for his former teammate cd lamb to be selected at eight by the uh, Cardinals. Um, while that would be fascinating, I, I agree with you. I think their biggest need is at offensive line. And yep. it's really, I think that's pretty, I'm pretty confident they're going to pick an offensive lineman. I have no confidence in which one they're going to take. Um, because yeah. by all reports, every team you ask has, has a different order in how they rank the top four offensive linemen. Um, yep. Worfs, I think, is the safest. Uh, being an Iowa product, they are are consistent. He is uh, superbly athletic. Um, he played left tackle. 
and um, that that's probably that's the premier offensive line position. If you're drafting this high, you want to be getting a left tackle. Um, the the downside is he's the analysis that I've heard is he has some problems oversetting and pass protection, but being as athletic as he is, it seems like something that can be coached and improved at the next level. Um, can't argue with this pick, but I wouldn't be surprised, you know, if it was Makai Becton or um, if Jedrick Wills was still on the board, if it was Wills, um, those guys may more naturally play right tackle and they have a serviceable left tackle. The right tackle is maybe the more glaring need, but just not the premier permission position. So um, yeah. Then. Yeah. It really is a, a, a rotating carousel of offensive mm-hmm. linemen when it comes to those first four picks, it could go, you can't go wrong with any of those four. So as a, as a spoiler in you, we've already gotten, we've already done picks six and seven and eight, but our picks six, eight, nine, and 10 are all offensive linemen. So yep. get ready for a little bit of talk about the, the guys in the trenches. So with the ninth pick, the Jaguars are on the clock and I've heard some noise about them wanting to trade back. Um, I'm not sure if they do, especially when there's going to be a incredibly talented player on the clock at this point. Um, it yep. could be Jeff Okuda, who could be their, um, their replacement for Jalen Ramsey. Um, but in this scenario, Akuda is off the board. Simmons is off the board. Derek Brown is off the board. I almost put them drafting Javon Kinlaw here, but I went ahead and put them with Makai Becton, um, who is a mountain of a man who can move and impressive strength. I think he is your prototypical right tackle going to block down on uh, in the run game and athletic enough to uh, be really good in pass protection. I, I've got him as my top lineman just because of the raw physical abilities. Yeah. I mean, you can definitely put him as the top lineman. I don't think anyone would fault you for doing that. I'm sure a lot of people have him as their top offensive lineman in in this draft. Um, Yeah. I mean, he's a huge guy. He uh, fills that need for, for them. And I think that that's definitely a solid pick. I think that this may be uh, when some of the viewers start getting a little bit, uh, not bored, but you know, some people are going to maybe the less draft enthusiasts mm-hmm. are going to start saying, all right, enough of offensive linemen. Let's see some, you know, wide receivers off the board. But like you said, the 10th pick is, is not going to bring them much more excitement nope. if they're not into <laughs> offensive linemen getting drafted. But when you do get to see Mekhi Becton highlights, you will be entertained because it is comical yep. how he throws grown men around on the football field. Ben, take us away with the 10th pick in the Browns. Yeah, so the 10th pick, I've got the Browns selecting uh, Andrew Thomas. Um, he He's going to fill an offensive lineman, as I said. He's going to fill a big need for the Browns. Um, you know, Bakers, he still need, they still need blockers. He can. They've got a lot of, of really great players on that offense, but their offensive line is still kind of a glaring need that they have not uh, approached much yet. I mean, I even after um, uh, Joe Thomas left, that, that kind of left a gaping hole in their offensive line, literally and figuratively. Mm-hmm. Um, and they went out and they brought in uh, Odell and they brought in Jarvis Landry and they've 
um, you know, made some trades here and there, and they've made some good draft picks on the defensive side, but what they have not addressed, whether it's through free agency or through the draft, has been that offensive line, and I think that sitting here at 10 will enable them to do that by, and by selecting Andrew Brown, who I think um, most people have in that one-to-four rotation of the best um, offensive lineman in the yep. draft. And I think he's, he's number four on my list. He's number four in our picks here. He's been number four on mine too. So this, yeah. this makes sense, which is why I kind of doubt that the Browns would do it. Right. Like how are the Browns <laughs> yeah, going to mess this up? They, they could, they brought in Jack Conklin um, in the off season. They, if they draft Andrew Thomas with this pick in the draft, they, they, they have two cornerstones for their offensive line, which was a weakness for their team last season. It, yep. it almost makes too much sense for the Browns to do it. So I don't yeah. really know where they go <laughs> if they don't um, pick an offensive right. lineman. I, I don't know. They don't really need defensive line. Do, they don't really need a receiver unless they're planning on trading Adele. So we'll see. We'll see how they can screw this up. It'll, yeah. I want to, I think they 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 may be the ones that just throw something completely random, a guy that's not even on most uh, most teams' board in the first round, and they they pick this guy out of nowhere and just <laughs> surprise us. Yeah, that, that could be it. Be very Browns esque. Okay, so with our next two picks, I'm going to group these together and and we'll kind of talk about them, compare and contrast. Yep. These are two teams, the Jets and the Raiders, with 11 and 12 that both need a wide receiver. Um, the way we have this falling out is not controversial in any way other than maybe the order of the picks. But um, I had the Jets with 11, and I had them selecting my highest-rated receiver, which is Jerry Judy of Alabama. And then you picked number 12 with the Raiders and selected CeeDee Lamb. Um, do you – Yep. Do you agree with me that Judy is the best receiver? And do you agree that the Jets will pick Judy? Yeah, I, I do agree with you that the um that Jer that Jerry Judy's the best receiver. Um yeah, I, I think a lot of people may not have him as the best receiver, but I in my mind, he definitely is. Um and I think I if the Jets are smart, they're picking Judy at and I think that it, he's kind of pulling away from the pack a little bit from the analysis that I've, that I've been seeing um, as far as teams looking at his, his um, ranking mm-hmm. respective to people like C lamb and um, you know, this other Henry <laughs> mm-hmm. Ruggs, other Alabama product. But I, yeah, I think just are smart. Then they're, then they're taking Jerry Judy, which, you know, is why I, the Raiders would be, if they were smart, they'd be taking CD lamb. I think he's a great prospect. Um, I, I, it would be kind of comical if let's say the jets ended up picking CD lamb or someone else. And Judy fell to the Raiders and the Raiders finally had that super fast wide receiver that they've been trying to get all these years. Mm -hmm. Yep. No, I think um, the reason I put Judy above lamb is because of the traits in a receiver that translate into the NFL. The first and foremost of those is route running guys that are elite route runners are productive in the NFL guys that are not, um, don't, don't typically just develop that in their first few seasons. Um, so when you look at CD lamb, you're, you're looking at more of a physical specimen who, 
who does more things with the ball after the catch and, and guys like that, you, you've got more bust potential. You, you look in the vein of, of Sammy Watkins, who has been a productive player, but it has been a disappointment from his draft status. And you look at Kevin White, who was drafted, I believe fourth overall and has done nothing. Um, uh-huh. Not saying that's what CD lamb is. I think he's a good player and a really good pick for the Raiders at 12, but I'm all hands on deck for Jerry Judy being the the um, cream of the crop in this receiving class. Yeah, I, I'm completely in agreement with you. So, Ben, if we were doing this today, I think I might change my pick with 13th overall. Um, I'm, I like how our draft played out. I think it maybe even be semi-realistic. But uh, with the 13th overall pick, the 49ers on the clock, this is – the pick they got in the trade that sent um, DeForest Buckner to the Indianapolis Colts. And uh-huh. with this pick, I have them drafting his replacement in Javon Kinlaw, defensive line. Um, I think he's the highest rated player available at this point. Uh, Daniel Jeremiah has him rated like eight or nine as the eighth or ninth best player in the draft. And they get him at 13. Um what I've seen lately and what I think would be really intriguing would be if Kyle Shanahan got his hands on the speedster Henry Ruggs at this position. Okay. Yeah, I've been seeing that too. Um, he'd be a really good compliment to Debo Samuel mm-hmm. you'd have, uh, in that offense. You'd have two guys on the field that you just don't know where they're going to line up, what they're going to do, how they're going to get the ball in their hands. But when they get it, you're, yep. you're deathly afraid. Yeah, and Debo Samuel is very good at, at playing kind of those under routes, those uh, medium to shorter routes, and then Henry Ruggs can kind of take the top off the defense. So they would, and it would definitely give Garoppolo some much needed targets um, and allow him room to grow. So I could see it. Um, I, to be honest, when I was seeing reports about Kinlaw going to the 49ers, um, because I know that, you know, they had to decide between uh, Armstead and Buckner, and they went with Armstead. Um, but they I mean, got a good haul for Buckner, obviously. But I was still surprised that, you know, they were leaning that much towards defensive line when they've, they've got a very – they've got arguably the best defensive line in the, uh, in the country. So having to fill that gap was a little odd to me that they were – you know, trying to look at that because that was not a glaring need. So I think kind of this recent shift to drafting Henry Ruggs makes a lot more sense with the 49ers. I'll, I'll give just a little bit of justification for the Kinlaw pick. Um, it's it's a proven formula of filling your defensive line with elite talents and elite talents usually coming from the first round in the draft. And that's what they did that got them to the Super Bowl. That's what the Giants did with, you know, Justin Tuck, um, OCU Manura, Michael Strahan, all of those guys. Um, it's kind of interesting when you look at the um, the 49ers who have a first-round pick in Solomon Thomas, who was pick number three, and he's coming off the bench. Mm-hmm. He, he has been a little bit yeah. underachieving, but he's – you've got the third pick overall in a draft being in your rotation, not as one of your cornerstones. So that's, that's kind of a luxury. I do see what you're saying. And I, I don't, while I would love to see Henry Ruggs, I'm, I go back and forth on whether what I, 
what I think they should do. So with the yeah. 14th pick, the Buccaneers are on the clock. Ben, I think I'll go out and say, I think this is a reach for this player. Give me your reasoning behind the selection that you made for the Buccaneers. Yeah. So the 14th pick with the Bucks, um, I have him selecting Clavon Chase on. Um, it, he is an interesting player. Um, I think, you know, in my mind, um, you know, obviously the, the Bucks have moved on from Gerald McCoy, who's now with the Cowboys. Um, they are needing kind of that inside presence. One of the reasons why I really like this pick um, is because of uh, Levante David. Um, and they need kind of that combination of uh, linebacker and defensive tackle being able to kind of move off with one each other is really, I think, actually really important um, in just the game of football. And so I think that they are going to be selecting a defensive lineman, whether it's Clayton Chason or someone else. I don't, I'm not really too sure, but that was who I had as the best player at that point. Um, and I think that the Bucks are going to need to, you know, I think that there are some other glaring needs that they could um, help address. But, I, you know, I don't know what their particularly their biggest need is per se. So I would go with them wanting to fill the defensive line with Chase on. I do think that's a tough spot for um, maybe not for the Buccaneers to be in, but for you to be in because I can't really tell you what their needs are. Um, the top four offensive yeah, linemen right. are off the board. Um, you know, they do have Shaq Barrett on a franchise tag. So maybe this is the Shaq Barrett replacement. Um, and maybe I'm just upset about this because I want to chase on for the Cowboys at 17, but you know, <laughs> so they got McCoy. So they're sitting good. Not pretty. <laughs> With the 15th pick, the Broncos are on the board and that's where I have Henry Ruggs going to. Um, he is a speedster. He's the perfect complement to Cortland Sutton. Um, on the other side, this gives Drew Locke a whole host of weapons. You, you look at, the Broncos offense with this selection and you've got Cortland Sutton and Henry Ruggs at receiver. You've got Noah Fant mm-hmm. at tight end. You've got your selection of Philip Lindsay or Melvin Gordon at running back. Um, the Broncos are no joke. Yeah, that, that's very true. Um, yeah. I mean, that's a, that combination if they do take rugs is with Sutton and rugs, that's a, um, that's a really good pairing to help out mm-hmm. Drew Locke. I mean, that's and help him with his young development within and the he, league. He has um, the kind of rocket arm that can expose defenses with Henry rug speed. Correct. Yep. I definitely agree. So if it's not rugs here, I think it would pro- would possibly be Kinlaw. If rugs, I think you might flip those picks. The 49ers, if they pick rugs, then at 15, I think the Broncos might pick uh, Kinlaw and kind of go with that same mentality, you know, of putting an offense or a defensive line out there that features Jarrell Casey and Von Miller off the edge and um, Javon Kinlaw on the inside. Yeah, that's a very formidable defensive line for sure. So halfway through the draft, 16th pick, uh, the Falcons, you know, we've, we've talked a lot about them 
potentially moving up. They're probably going to be a, a really aggressive team. Um, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they moved up at all. Uh, but for the purposes of the draft of this draft, we're just having their main at 16. Um, so I think that one of the, the needs is, you know, their, their defense is, was really struggled, mm-hmm. which is surprising. Year. They're incredibly um, talented. Yeah. They do have a lot of talent on that side of the ball. Um, you know, they're, they're pretty good offensive light offensively when it comes to personnel. Um, so I went ahead and gave them a cornerback and CJ Henderson out of Florida. Um, he's, he's in my mind. Um, he, I, there's another, I don't know if he's in this draft. Um, so I won't talk about him just yet, but there's another cornerback that I really, really like. Uh, but he is right up there. Um, you know, it's, it's kind of Jeff Akuda and then everybody else, but I think CJ Anders Henderson was at the top mm-hmm. of that everybody else list. Um, so I think uh, he'd add a lot to that, um, to that team that is going to have to face Tom Brady now. Yes. I do think Henderson is the clear number two in this draft. And I even heard analysis today from Daniel Jeremiah saying that Henderson actually has the higher ceiling over Akuda because of his athletic ability, um, which I thought was kind of surprising because Akuda wow. tested pretty, pretty incredibly as well. So saying that CJ uh-huh. Henderson was essentially the better athlete kind of surprised me and makes me even more mad about the fact that you picked him one pick before the Cowboys. <laughs> it's a trend team. Yeah. It's a trend. Um, so I think that's a solid pick. Um, what I'd like to see happen here. What if, the Falcons picked um, DeAndre Swift with 16. I know they just uh, signed Todd Gurley, but we all know oh. what Todd Gurley – well, we no one knows what Todd Gurley is anymore. So would they yeah. go back to having that one-two punch with Todd Gurley and DeAndre Swift? Uh, I, maybe maybe in the second round. I don't think okay. the first round. I think, that, yeah, I think that there's too many valuable needs and that they need to fill – um, that'd be entertaining, mm-hmm. to, you know, Georgia boys in Georgia, but maybe the second round, I could see that. Happening. Okay. So with the 17th pick, uh, my very own Dallas Cowboys are on the clock and I have them selecting Xavier McKinney. And while I think he is clearly the best safety, if you don't classify Isaiah Simmons as a safety in the class, I think this is a reach. And kind of, I don't know if you used any resources when, when you were going through this, but I was looking at Daniel Jeremiah's um, top 50 players list. And um, mm-hmm. I think this is, this is a need-based pick. Um, the players still available based on uh, Daniel Jeremiah's list is Justin Jefferson at 14, Patrick Queen at 15, DeAndre Swift at 16, Kenneth Murray at 18, Ross Blacklock at 19, Justin Herbert at 20. And then Xavier McKinney is the 22nd overall player. So, yes, I understand the pick because they need a safety, but I I still think it's a reach. And I think maybe, maybe this is a spot where the Cowboys trade back if they're, if they're really smart and if they want to pick the best player available, I agree with Daniel Jeremiah. It is Justin Jefferson. Um, I think he may be the best receiver out of this class 
in a, in a while. Like I think Jerry Judy is clearly the, the top prospect. Justin Jefferson is is an intriguing um, talent to me. He he's kind of that do it all guy. He's got good size, not great size. He's got really good speed, good hands, and he's that alpha male, that top dog in the locker room. Um, yeah, it's not necessarily a need for them though. You know, they've got Michael Gallup and Amari Cooper, but um, you know, why not pick the best player available when it's a a, a talented player like Justin Jefferson. Yeah, definitely. I did. That's a fantastic segue to the next pick. Yep. Because uh, I've got at the 18th pick, the Dolphins selecting Justin Jefferson, um, which, yeah, I think with the player selected, he's the best player off the board. Mm-hmm. Um, as of now, um, he can bring a lot to that offense. Um, and he is someone who can be explosive and um, really work well within, you know, whether it's um, whether it's Josh Rosen or whoever it is can, can bring that to the table. So I've got a question for you. Do you, do you think that Jefferson is going to be, is the better prospect over Deandre Swift? Um, yeah, I think that he fills a bigger need than the uh than DeAndre Swift would for the uh for the Dolphins. Yeah. Okay. And okay, so you you also think that's the bigger need and that's that's the the reason the pick goes there. I I think this could be a spot yeah. that mm-hmm. Swift goes, but um with the devaluation of the running back position, I wouldn't be surprised if he even fell out of the first round. Um but, okay, moving on, moving a little more quickly now. The Raiders, they've already selected their receivers, so I've got them picking the best player available other than Swift, given the fact that they've got um, Josh Jacobs on the roster. And Patrick Queen, I think he's going to be a very rangy, athletic, pass coverage linebacker and a good fit for a need, and it's going to pair him with uh, Corey Littleton, um, who's also a very similar player. And you've got the yeah, I love Patrick Queen. You've got the Jags going with the the next quarterback. Tell us about that. I do. Yep, Justin Herbert. I think that the Jags are um, not sold on Gardner Minshew. Um, I think that they want to see what else they can do, um, and they are certainly in rebuilding mode um, as they basically sold uh, every arm and every leg they had during last season and the off season. So. I think that they're in rebuilding mode, and one of the parts of rebuilding mode is figuring out who your franchise quarterback is, and whether that's Gardner Minshew or Justin Herbert. It's if you get both of them, it's probably going to be one of those guys. Mm-hmm. So up in the odds with with Herbert bringing him to Florida. Yep. If they, if Herbert is still there at twenty, I I can't argue with with them making that pick, given that he is in, on some boards, you know, a top five player, um, but. Mm-hmm. I kind of think they roll with Minshew this year for better or for worse, given if it's for better, great. We've got our guy. If it's for worse, they're in position to draft Trevor Lawrence potentially next year, or Justin Fields also could be entering the, the uh, draft pool next year. So with the 21st pick, yeah. so our friend Selvin pointed out that the Eagles really need a receiver, but 
in my mind, there are four first round prospects at the receiver position and they are all off the board. Justin Jefferson would be the guy they're praying for. Um, Henry Ruggs would be incredible, but I don't think either of those guys get to this point. And so I go with Jeremy Chin, who is just a guy that I've heard a lot of buzz about and who could kind of fill that Malcolm Jenkins role since he has departed and gone to the Saints. Yeah, I like it. And sticking with the secondary selections for the 22nd pick with the Vikings, uh, this was one of my guys who I've been very impressed with, Jalen Johnson. He is um, – I think the Vikings need, you know, the, that piece to replace Xavier, uh, mm-hmm. Xavier Rhodes and, um, you know, some of their other secondary players that they've let go. But he is – he's really impressed me. I think that he is one of the most, even though he's selected at 22, I think he's one of the most underrated players in the draft. Um, he's just got really great athleticism. He's scored really well. And he's had, when you break down his um, kind of his coverage statistics, they're really, they stack up really, really well against the rest of the non Okudas in the draft. Right. Jalen Johnson's a guy that I haven't uh, seen a lot of. So I was um, curious to see him go there and, We'll be curious to hear more about him um, when I'm watching draft coverage. So with the 23rd pick, does anyone really believe the Patriots are going to draft here? Uh, I mean, (laughs) I think they probably trade back. That's typically what they do. Uh, But if they do draft here, um, I think filling a need at linebacker in Kenneth Murray would be a good selection and a really solid player for this part in the draft. Is there any chance they take a quarterback with 23 overall? Yeah, there's a chance. Um, I don't think that they will. I think they'll trade back and then take a quarterback. If they stuck at 23rd, I think that their chance of taking a quarterback decreases. Um, But I think that uh, um, taking Kenneth Murray is probably the more likely scenario if they stayed at 23rd than than taking like a Jordan Love. Yeah, I'd say that Jordan Love, even if Justin Herbert were still on the board, I bet they've got um, Jacob Eason a lot closer to that group, knowing what they've had in the quarterback position mm-hmm. um, and what they've made work. So, you know, mobility is not a problem for them. Uh, rocket arm is is what they like. And um, Jacob Eason may be available to them in the second round. So hit us with the 24th pick, Ben. 24th pick, I've got the Saints – with Zach Bond, uh, linebacker. I have Braun here. It's, it's it Bond, is Braun. Right? I, I did, did double check wrong? on that while okay, I, I looked I, at it. Okay, that's what I, I wrote Braun, but maybe just typo. But yeah, Zach Bond, um, linebacker. It's hard when you think about the Saints to think about their needs because they have so few from mm-hmm. a positional perspective um, that really you just start going to it's they really don't need any help on the offensive side of the ball. I think that that's uh, pretty obvious. Um, and then the defensive side, um, you know, shoring up their, their linebackers could be a really good way to, um, to just address kind of the Tom Brady scenario coming into their division. Uh, and Zach Brown, I think he's um, the clear cut. I, I think that he's uh, definitely, I have him on my board is definitely beneath Patrick queen. Um, but I think he's still talented and he'll be able to step in nicely for the Saints. I think that's a solid pick for them there. Um, linebacker out of Wisconsin is, is usually 
pretty safe. Seems like a player that, that they produce yep. a lot of. So um, I like that. I heard some rumblings today about trading um, Alvin Kamara. I think that's rubbish. Um, I've seen mock drafts wow. where they pick a quarterback, mainly uh, Jordan Love at this position. I also think that hmm. is not going to happen. I'm, I'm pretty strongly in the camp of they're not going to draft a quarterback in the first round because yeah. this is Drew Brees' last hurrah. I would see them drafting another receiver before I saw them drafting a quarterback. And they just signed Emmanuel Sanders. They have the best receiver in the league in Michael Thomas. But I would see them picking a third guy to add to that to just give Brees an enormous amount of weapons rather than doing something that's not going to help them this season. And that would be what trading Kamara or drafting a quarterback would be. I also think uh, Sean Payton Correct. thinks very highly of Taysom Hill, and I'm excited about that experiment. Yeah, it'll be interesting. I, I'm with you. I don't think that they – I don't one, I don't think they trade Kamara, and I don't do not think that they draft a quarterback, especially not with their – with the 24th pick overall. So with um, the 25th pick, so, the Vikings, yeah, I think, will find the best available replacement for um, Everson Griffin, who they're likely to lose this offseason. He hasn't signed yet, but he probably will with another team. And they get A.J. Epinesa out of Iowa, defensive lineman. He's kind of that power rusher. He's a big-bodied, solid mm-hmm. technique, Not did not test really well, but not real explosive. Um, but you know, he, he's probably going to get you six to eight sacks every year that would be my guess and be a force against the run. Um, yeah, yeah. I think that, so he was one of those players that, you know, like before college football season started, he was very highly rated. Right. Um, he was one of the top, he was, he was up there with Chase Young talk, um, so it's interesting to see him kind of fall like he did. And when a guy um, falls like but that, I think he's, he's lengthy. He's big. When a guy falls like that, you can get a, you can get a seal. So this could be a really good pick for the Vikings. Yeah, you can. Yeah. And they love their defensive linemen up there. 26 pick dolphins are on the board. What do the dolphins do with their third pick in the first round? So they're picking with their three first round picks insane. Uh, Yatur gross, Matos edge out of Penn state. Um, so that'll put the dolphins drafting Tua, drafting Justin Jefferson and drafting gross Matos. Uh, so quarterback, a wide receiver and an edge, arguably some of the most, uh, needed positions on a team. And I just think that when you have that and you're in the rebuilding mode, if you can have those centerpieces and even if they only hit on, two out of those three, they're still sitting pretty. So I think building when you're in rebuild mode, if you can get, you know, a solid offensive tackle, quarterback, wide receiver edge, then you're going to be okay. Um, most of the time. So, um, I, I like gross models. He's, you know, he's not the best player, obviously, uh, when it comes to the edge positions, but he is probably the best, um, at this point in the game. So that's why I'm, I'm taking him at the dolphins. And with the 27th pick, I've got the Seahawks taking a cornerback in AJ Terrell out of Clemson. And this is just the kind of guy that Pete Carroll likes long, lengthy, athletic, strong corner. And I think that's a need for them right now. And that's why I've got them going with the cornerback. 
I like it. 28th pick. Uh, Ravens need some help. They need some help at wide receiver. They picked Hollywood Brown, but he can't do it all for them. Uh, so they've got to go in. I'm really between two guys here, Brandon Ayuk and Denzel Mims. Um, and while I actually think Denzel Mims is a better player than Brandon Ayuk, I think that the Ravens are going to pick Ayuk. Um, I think that they just kind of like his playing style, his body size, how they'll fit in the offense. So I've got Ayuk going to the Ravens to give uh, Hollywood some some help and give Lamar Jackson a new target in Baltimore. So I'll, I'll disagree with you on this pick. I just think that with the depth in the receiving class that we get the run on the first four and then everyone else is kind of like, yeah, I can get one in the second round. Like, you know, if, if mm-hmm. it, it's like you said, if, huh, you know, if Ayuk is the top guy on your board, but are you really that worried if you don't get Ayuk because you can end up with Mims or um, you can get LaVisca Chenault or, you know, there's, there's just several names in that next category that I don't think there's much separation in, which there may be a couple more guys with first round talent, but I think that gets pushed down because of the depth in the class. So with the 29th pick, um, I had the Titans selecting Marlon Davidson and a disruptive edge player from Auburn. Um, he's man, if not a 300 pounder, nearly a 300 pounder that played defensive end. And that's kind of what the Titans had in Jarrell Casey. So Jarrell Casey, is shipped off to the Broncos and I've got them drafting the replacement in Marlon Davidson, who's one of my favorite players in this draft. Kind of, kind of a guy I think is going to outperform his, his draft status. And I'm not even sure if he goes in the first round. I think Daniel Jeremiah has got him down in the forties. A lot of teams have him going in the Mm -hmm. second round. So this might be by others called a reach, but I think he's a good prospect. I like it. Um, so, you know, the Packers with 30th pick, uh, they're kind of in a similar scenario with the Ravens that they've got to get the quarterback some help um, and that both teams kind of have their star wide receiver with Hollywood Brown and um, um, with the Packers with um, – Devontae oh my Adams. Gosh. Goodness, goodness. Thank you, Devontae Adams. I should know who it is. He's been on my fantasy team for a while. Um, yes, Devontae Adams. So I think that they need – some help in green Bay. Um, and so I'm going to give the Packers Denzel Mims. I think that he is uh, going to bring that, you know, just an added bonus to Aaron Rodgers' offense. I'm interested to hear what you, you think of this take because uh, you know, my rational, my rationale for the Packers is similar for the, the Ravens selection. So do you think that this is a, a pick? And if you don't agree with it, who else, who would you pick? if you didn't go wide receiver for the Packers. Let me, let me see that. I, I, like I said, I think that um, Mims and Ayuk fall to the second round because of the strength of the class. But as far as best prospects available, Ross Blacklock, I don't think he's a need Justin Herbert. I think they're in the same situation as the saints where they've got Aaron Rodgers again, and they need to, they're in a win now window. Um they're not going to go with Jordan Love, I don't think. Man, they could go defense, but I don't see it. Maybe they go for Austin Jackson, offensive lineman um, out of USC, who would try to you know hmm. fill the void that uh, Beluga is that right left yeah. when he went to the Chargers. Yep. Um, 
But I think I think Mims is going to be an incredible player. Um, he is probably the next guy on my yeah. list under uh, Jefferson. So he's my fifth receiver. He's got size, strength, speed. Um, did have some in- inconsistency in college, um, but I think he's an explosive guy. I'm going to throw out a random scenario. What if, if the Jets are there at 11 and there's still one of the top four offensive linemen available, they may go there and get then get Mims in the second round. That's, that's going to be – I'm just going to throw it out there. That's my crazy pr- prediction for the draft. And then we'll move on to our, our final okay. two picks. Okay. Ben, I was, I was kind of upset with you. I really wanted you to go a certain direction with pick 32. And I lined <laughs> it up for you by taking DeAndre Swift with the 49ers at pick 31. Um, this is purely like – this is an abundance of riches. The 49ers have um, – yeah. I don't think they have a star running back, but they have three guys that are really good in Tevin Coleman um, – Mostert and uh, heck, they might have four guys, Brita. And then uh, who's the other guy from McKinnon um, who was hurt last season, but mm-hmm. what they, what they've That's never true. had or haven't had under Shanahan is an elite runner. And that's what I think Swift is. And if they got rugs and Swift, whew, that defense, that defense oh, has been good. Yeah. And that offense just got Debo. With George Kittle, oh man! So, what oh, do you, yeah. Ben? What do you think I wanted you to do with the thirty-second pick? I don't know. That's what I'm trying to figure out. Uh, <laughs> um, I guess it was drafted. <laughs> no, Terrell Lewis. I, I don't even know anything about Terrell <laughs> Lewis. He may be the perfect pick, and that may be what they do. Yeah, it was really a kind of a, a deep. So, like my same uh, rationale for selecting the Dolphins at twenty six with either Gross Matos, just they need defensive presence. Um, and he's he was one of the best defensive presences left on the board uh, at this point of the draft. So I think he comes in and solidifies that helps that defense a little bit because I think that they're definitely going to go defense this side of the year uh, this year. But but tell me what did you what did you expect? What did so you want I to do? want the Chiefs to take a running back. Man, I'm so offensive minded that I just want riches upon riches. And <laughs> I see. So I took cool. DeAndre Swift. You know, I I saw the logic there for the 49ers, but my favorite running back in this class is not DeAndre Swift. It is Jonathan Taylor out of Wisconsin. And I I know he's yeah. got a lot of miles, yeah. but when he ran a four three nine forty like. I thought he was a power back, Ben. <laughs> and then, and then he, right. that's breakaway speed. That's, that is top end speed. That's faster than, I think that's faster than Christian McCaffrey. It's right around there for sure. I think Saquon was what, four, three, four or so. So it was, uh, so yeah, it's, it's yeah. definitely right around there. Yeah. I, I really and when like you, Jonathan. Taylor when you too. think about um, his style, you're thinking more Derek Henry. And then you throw in the fact that he's got Saquon Barkley speed. What? <laughs> I know. Yeah, that's very true. Well, I like, yeah, that's a good, if the the Chiefs took a Jonathan Taylor, J.K. Dobbins or something, man, that could be, that would be a great way to yep. end Thursday I like night. all three of those running backs. I actually think J.K. Dobbins is, is a really intriguing prospect as well. Um, but another bold prediction yep. for me that, everyone can record and make fun of me later for 
Jonathan Taylor will be the most productive back out of this class. Oh, I like it. I, I might agree with you there. I might agree with you. So <laughs> there we go. All right. So Ben, we'll recap the draft after the draft and we'll give some of our favorite picks, some of our favorite late round players, um, or at least some of mine because I'm a draft nerd and I'm going to watch every second of it <laughs> and tell you who I think is going to be better than their draft status. And then again, you can laugh at me when they get kicked out of the league in two years. So um, everyone can have a lot of fun with <laughs> I that. I like it. I promise guys, this is the episode. I'm going to ask y'all to share this episode um, because I'm so excited about it. And then I'm going to mail out some uh, going for two podcast stickers. Uh, they are featuring the yes. logo that you see on our Twitter and our anchor and our Spotify uh, accounts. Um, we also have some colored versions of that logo and that's what the stickers are. At some point I'll get y'all to vote on what your favorite colorway of our logo is and we'll kind of switch it up and um, go from there. Ben, any closing thoughts? I like it. I'm excited for the draft. Sports is kind of finally back uh, Thursday, Friday. So it'll be a good time. Uh, if you guys want to follow us, you can always do so at, at going for two underscore pod at going for two underscore pod. Um, go ahead and follow us, email us uh, going for two pod one nine at gmail.com if you have questions comments concerns leave us a message on the anchor app follow share all that good stuff spotify etc enjoy the draft